Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church Podcast. Like so many other churches and houses of worship across the world, we've decided to take our weekly service online to comply with various social distancing efforts and stay-at-home orders in light of the recent coronavirus pandemic. Our stream goes live every Sunday at 10 a.m. Be sure to check it out on our website at cascadevineyard.org stream or on Facebook at Cascade Vineyard Church. We'd love to have you join us online. Enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. Hey, uh, good to see you. I don't see you, but uh, I'm glad you're seeing me. And uh, so on that note, I want to give you a little update. Uh, We still do not have a timeline to get back together yet. So we've been working on the process and protocols and things we can do uh, to follow, again, CDC guidelines and then just keep everybody safe and healthy. And we've we've uh, had some conversation with our friends, our hosts here at Christ the King, um, but we're still not confident on uh, what that date will be, but we will keep you updated. So I just encourage you, again, follow our Facebook page, our Instagram feed, and uh, you know check in on Sundays. And then uh, I'll also use newsletter, email, as, as things develop, but we don't have a timeline yet. Uh, I want to remind you guys of a couple of other things. Uh, one is just giving. Our expenses do continue on during this time. Uh, most of you have been awesome just continuing to give through the means that you normally do, uh, but just want to encourage you to do that. Uh, and again, all the means that you normally utilize are, are available. The only one that's not is the box in the back of the room, although technically it's there. I can see it right now, but I don't think you need to come down here and, and do that. And then the last thing is just prayer. Um, you know, we do want to pray for you. And it's hard, you know, when there's no opportunity after service or anything. But a couple things. One, prayer at Portland Vineyard. Uh, you can still send prayer requests into there. That Again, that goes to me, and I send that out to our prayer team. And then the other thing you can do is uh, just follow through. We, we I, I didn't do it last week, but we'll try most weeks. We'll have a, a Zoom prayer time at the end of our service. And I'm, I'm not sure if we'll have that this Sunday or not. But uh, again, we'll let you know. But but just send your prayer requests in. We want to pray for you. So uh, this morning, I want to I start with uh, a quote. The opening In the opening line of A Tale of Two Cities, Charles Dickens uh, writes, It was the best of times and the worst of times. And uh, I was thinking this week that that's actually a fairly good description of the time we're in right now. And so you're probably saying to yourself, hmm, I get the worst of times, uh, but, but what makes this the best of times? Um, and and here's, here's why I say that, because I, I believe, I hope that we really are on the cusp of some real change in our nation and maybe around the world. Um, I, I believe that we could see in this generation uh, some social reform, the likes of which has not really taken place in a, in a long, long time. And that's really the prayer of my heart right now. Um, you know, I, I, for one, and I'm going to qualify this statement uh, but but I for one am glad that some of the, some of the protests haven't stopped. Uh, you, you know, I think somebody said, "Well, aren't we done talking about this?" And I'm like, "No, I'm glad we're not done talking about this because I, I really believe that this is not a one or two conversation uh, topic. I, I really believe this is something that needs to be addressed 
very, very seriously and, and really with some depth and some and some thought process. And and look, <laughs> I was just talking to Stephen. I know that uh, people are protesting in the middle of a pandemic, which is just just crazy. Uh, but but the reality is this, that people are protesting in the midst of a pandemic because they, they have issues that are deep seated in their heart. And they're not going to let the fact that they're taking a risk to protest stop them from protesting those things that they care so much about. And, and I applaud that. Uh, and I don't want anybody else to get sick. I don't want th this thing to spread. But at the same time, I applaud the reality that um, people's hearts are serious about where we are and what's happening in, in the world today. Um, so in all of that, and, and my sense, and, and I'm not alone, I've read and talked to other people who feel the same way, I sense that, that God is really moving. That God is stirring the hearts of people right now, and, and what could really be the worst of times may actually end up being the best of times. I, I believe this could be a time of true redemption and forgiveness and restoration and reconciliation, and I really do believe I have hope in my heart for what God's doing in the world today. And... Um, so, so I say amen. I say amen to those that, that are making themselves heard and that are not going to let it go. Um, one thing I've noticed is this, and this is encouraging to me, and, and uh, I'll, I'll, we'll put it up on the screen, some, some pictures I, I, uh, I Googled or looked up. But it, it, some of you will remember, well, a few of you, if you're my age, uh, you remember in the 1960s, the civil rights marches, uh, the, the people marching for civil rights in the 60s were predominantly black. Um, what, I, what we see today is a very diverse people marching. There's a lot, of, a, a lot of white faces in those crowds marching today. And I think that's a good thing. I think it's positive that th this time and what's happened is tragic as the circumstances that have led to this are. It's, it really is drawing the hearts of people together. And, I, and I'm praying for that. I'm praying for God to draw the hearts of people together. Um, so, so with that in mind, my title this morning is Come Now is the Time. And some of you will rec recognize that. It's a title of a vineyard worship song of the UK from the 90s, and I, I pilfered it. Um, but uh, Come Now is the Time. So I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll, we'll, we'll jump into today's message. That was just the... Uh, that was your intro. Um, so, Jesus, thanks so much for your heart uh, for your people, your heart for uh, the people of this world, and, and for your heart for change and transformation. That's what you're about, transformation, and that's what we want to see. And we pray, I pray that you would uh, honor this message today, you honor your word, that you would touch the hearts of your people. In your name, amen. At the beginning of the gospel, John the Baptist shows up. He speaks to the Pharisees and he says, the axe has already been laid to the root of the tree. And he's talking about, really, reform. He's talking about a way of religion that's existed that's no longer going to exist. He, he is about to announce the coming of Jesus and he's saying, what you've seen, what's happened, what's been done in the past is not going to happen anymore. That's not going to, the way things were is not the way things are going to be. And, and, and that's what I think is happening in this time, that the ax is being laid to the root of the tree. Um, so I, I believe we need to begin by acknowledging that there really is, it's, it's, it's not fake news, there really is an undercurrent of white supremacy that's deeply entrenched in the history of our country, and it dates back to the, to the roots of our country. Um, 
whether you whether you like him or agree or not, uh, at George Floyd's funeral, uh, Reverend Al Sharpton said this. We are not fighting some disconnected incidents. We are fighting an institutional systemic problem that has been allowed to permeate since we were brought to these shores, and we are fighting wickedness in high places. I think that's a profound statement because I really do believe that there, there are spiritual principalities and powers that are over some of those dynamics that we see in our country. I don't think those things exist just in the hearts of people. I think they exist in principalities and powers that are, that are directing and guiding those people, and therefore really is a spiritual renewal, a a spiritual transformation that needs to take place. Um, Before I continue, I'm going to respond to the criticism uh, that I can hear. It's in my my head. I can hear it already. Uh, People saying, well, you're just being PC. This is a PC message. It's politically correct. And my response to that is simply this. Um, I, I don't really care that much about being PC, to be uh, totally honest. What I care deeply about is being BC, being biblically correct. And the concepts of justice, the concept of equality, the concept of human decency, human rights, those things are deeply, deeply biblical. And so that's really where I'm coming from today. I, I, my heart is, and I, and I share this with you up front, that this is a biblical message. It's not a political message. It's a biblical message. Um, and so on that note, I, I want to start with this question. I'm enjoying a little iced coffee here. It's lovely. Um, I want to start with this question. Why did Jesus die? Why did Jesus die? The easy answer is that he, he died to reconcile man to God. Jesus died that he might fix the breach between man and God. Um, and if you said that, ding, I was going to get a little bell, but I don't have one. You're right. That's, that's the right answer. Um, but it's, it's, it's really only partially true. It's not the full answer. It's the right answer, but it's not the full answer. Um, look with me to our passage today is in Ephesians chapter 2. It's a long passage, but I'm going to read the whole thing through for context, beginning in verse 11 down through verse 18. Paul says, therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of two. The purpose of Jesus was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So let me ask again, why did Jesus die? He died to reconcile people to God And he died to reconcile people to people. So Paul's paradigm is that of a first century Jew, not a 21st century white American Christian. The division he's 
speaking to is between Jew and Gentile, not between black and white, but his intention, his purpose is to address division between people. And he speaks very loudly, very clearly, very passionately on that issue. Uh, you know, I, I, I would love to read the original transcript. I don't read Greek, but if we could, my sense is probably this is in bold. You know, it's underlined and highlighted. He's passionate about this, about tearing down the walls that divide people. And he says here very clearly, that too is why Jesus died, to break down those walls, to create one new humanity with no walls, no cultural walls, no racial walls, no walls of white privilege or social injustice, no walls of economic disparity. In the kingdom of God, there are no haves and have-nots. In the kingdom of God, the guy with the sign on the corner of Durham Road is just as important, just as valuable, just as loved by God as you, me, doctors, nurses, presidents, governors, anybody else. There, there, there's no difference in God's kingdom. We are all created in God's image, and together, together, we all reflect the unique unity in diversity that's represented by the Trinity. I want to do a little uh, Bible history today. A little bi- so here's your Bible history 101. Um, Genesis chapter 1, God says, let us make mankind in our image. Uh, and let, let me interject here, you know, b- based on that, th- even the concept of racial reconciliation is flawed in that, as I said before, there's only one race, uh, the human race. That's, that, that's, we're, we're all in this together. But, but of course, uh, you know, continuing our Bible history lesson, it doesn't take very long for things to go sideways. You know, two chapters later, uh, jealousy, anger, violence, bloodshed, murder, uh, y- you know, everything is off the table. Uh, and, and really, pretty much, that's the story ever since. That, that's how we've continued forward as people. In Genesis chapter 12, God tells Israel uh, their purpose. It's a statement that we've kind of adopted as our purpose here at CVC, uh, that we are blessed to be a blessing. God says, I blessed you that you that you might then bless others. That's really what uh, the church is for. That's what we're about. We're chosen. We're God's chosen people for a purpose. We have a job. We have a mission. The mission of God's people is, is to reach out to those that don't know him and extend the love of God, the grace and mercy of God to them. Uh, What's happened sometimes, and I I don't want to sound overly critical, but sometimes the church becomes this sort of germ-free, hermetically sealed little bless-me club. And it's about us receiving, and it's not about us representing God and who He is to those around us. God's plan was that we would represent Him to other people, that we would let others know how gracious, how loving, how kind, how forgiving he really is to bless them to care for the foreigner to care for the immigrant to care for those that are less fortunate themselves that's what God put us here to do and while while that is the storyline of of the Bible it's a narrative that has been somewhat absent from the 20th century 21st century American church Um, there have been those along the way that, that have figured it out and, and, and that have got it. Uh, I read a quote the other day by William Wilberforce. Some of you don't know him, who he is, but William Wilberforce was a, a uh, 
person around the time of the revolution, uh, Revolutionary War, that worked for uh, social justice and against racism. And on that topic, Wilberforce said this, you can choose to look the other way, but you can never again say that you don't know. And I think that's where we are today. You can choose to look the other way, but you can't say you don't know. Jesus became, uh, 102, (laughs) Jesus became the fulfillment of what Israel was supposed to be. In John chapter 12, uh, verse 32, Jesus says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. And as, uh, as John Wimber used to say, I look up that word all, and it means all. I will draw all people to myself. Jesus died for this. He died to reconcile people one to another, to tear down the dividing walls of hostility between us. And again, I think uh, to some measure, the white evangelical church in America has missed that. And how have we missed it? And I think this is my assessment of how we've missed it, is that we've missed it because we have a faulty paradigm. Uh, We've missed it because these truths that were supposed to be self-evident, Declaration of Independence, we we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. And that has not been the paradigm that we've lived in. Because the reality is this, that uh, what that has kind of come to mean is that all white males are created equal. You know, women are not created equal. People of color are not created equal. The LBGDQ community is not created equal, and that's the paradigm that we function under in this country. 1846, Frederick Douglass said, where justice is denied, where poverty is enforced, where ignorance prevails, and where any one class is made to feel that society is an organized conspiracy to oppress, rob, and degrade them, neither persons nor property will be safe. 1846, he could have said that yesterday. It's still true. So (laughs) here's the upside. The upside is this. There's a verse in the Old Testament book of Esther that is often quoted uh, to represent sort of something that's happening at a certain time in history. Uh, cultural realities. Uh, you've heard it before. It's when when Mordecai encourages Esther to go and speak to the king, and he says this: "If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place." And then he says, "But you and your family will perish, and who knows? But you've come to your royal position for such a time as this." And I would say to the church today, maybe we're in the position we're in for such a time as this. And here's, in the New Testament, so refreshing. There are, there are two words for time, chronos and kairos. Chronos is a word just meaning time in general. It's, it's where we get the word chronology. It's a sequence of events. Kairos means a unique or special time, an appointed time in history. And, and I believe, I think, we could very well be in a Kairos moment right now. I believe that God might be using the tragic murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and others and the ensuing protests 
to bring about systemic change. And, and I believe that the church has a role to play in this. Uh, and and here's, here, here is what the church has to offer, I, I think. It's time to acknowledge that maybe, just maybe, we have not always loved our neighbor if our neighbor hasn't looked exactly like we do. It's time for the church to stand up and be B.C., biblically correct. Don't worry about being politically correct, but be biblically correct and say it's time for us to truly, truly love our neighbor and to call out any systemic injustice that we see and those, those injustices that have plagued our country for generations, really since inception. The church should be the strongest, loudest, clearest voice for reform today. Jesus died to reconcile man to God and to reconcile man to man, and we, we cannot overlook that. Without that, we, without that, we have half the gospel. It's not the good news, it's the okay news. It's my conviction that the white church needs to repent. And, and I don't mean that in a punitive way at all, I mean that in, in the most literal sense of that word, which is simply to acknowledge where we are and turn around and go a different direction. And so I want to do something a little different today than I normally do, and I'm just going to close uh, with prayer. So I would invite you, if you would, to, to maybe close your eyes, bow your heads, whatever, uh, and just, just pray along with me for a minute as we close. So Jesus, we come to you this morning as your people your chosen people, and we say, Lord God, uh, our heart's desire is to be right before you and to fulfill the purpose that you've given us in the world today, that we might reconcile God to man and we might reconcile man to one another, that your church would be a voice for change. And Lord, we confess and we say we're sorry that we haven't always done that. And at times, Lord, we've allowed ourselves to grow comfortable and to, and to take things easy and just to go about the day-to-day -day business of, of life. And, and we've neglected to, to really work for reconciliation and to work for bridging gaps and breaking down walls and drawing the hearts of people together. So, Lord, we're sorry for that. We ask for your forgiveness. I ask, Lord God, you would forgive me. You would forgive our church. You would give the, forgive the vineyard, that you would forgive the church in America, that you would forgive your church globally for any time, every time, all the time that we've neglected to be a voice for change, a voice for reform, a voice for redemption, a, a, a voice for reconciliation of people. So, Lord God, would you move upon the earth today? Would you pour out your Holy Spirit in such a way, Lord God, as to bring about true change, to bring about real change, to bring about transformation? Lord, in the midst of whatever is happening right now across our nation and around the world, would you move, would you breathe by your Spirit upon your people and bring about true change, Lord God? And would you allow us, your people, to stand up for those things that are right by you and to be a voice for change and to, and to be an agent of change, Lord? You've called your church to be a change agent, not to be static, not to accept the status quo, but, but to move and to breathe and to live and, and to draw forward into the presence of God and into the purpose of God in the world today. So, Lord, would you do that in us, with us, through us? Would you not allow your people 
to grow dormant, to sit comfortably aside and watch what's happening in the world without saying enough is enough and without causing your people to rise up, Lord, cause your people to rise up and say, we want to see the kingdom of God come and the will of God be done in all that that means in the world today, in our church, in our city, in our nation today. So would you move, Lord God, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Your name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give. We'll see you all online next week.